Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Oh, Miss Mary. Hello, Miss Jillian. (laughs) How are you today? I'm doing well, actually. I survived my tooth extraction. (laughs) And uh, they kept telling me I was going to be in a lot of pain, and I wasn't. Oh, hey, that's good. So, And you had some, like, drugs that you didn't need to even take. I didn't even have to take the drugs. Fantastic. Yep. And you're looking perky? Well, you know. And I'm trying. Okay, the worst thing for Mary uh, having a tooth extracted is because she was told she couldn't eat. <laughs> and we were all feeling it. I was actually saying it's a travesty it that Mary cannot eat because anyone who knows Mary yes. knows she has a very healthy appetite. Yes, And I'm she loves all the good food. I do. And we happen to be in a season of holiday yes. eating. <laughs> and what the heck? But okay. I, uh, you know. You made it through. Yeah. I've had to have shakes and Oh, so boring. I know. But really. I know. I'm, I'm heading towards having that really great meal as soon as I, I recover. So there you Surf go. Surf and turf is on the menu for her. <laughs> I can tell you that. Okay. So um, while we're just talking about you. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, we're actually going to talk today. This is going to be a two-parter. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's called The Cult of Self mm-hmm. from Tasha Yurik's book Insight. Yeah. Very fascinating oh, chapter. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And a lot of like, wow, mm-hmm. right in the solar plexus. Mm-hmm. Can you get any deeper, Tasha? I know. <laughs> I know. I was doing some of the questionnaires. And oh, I was, like, ah. I was doing the questionnaires and I found myself like minimizing my responses oh, to something. Oh, is that so? So very truthfully, people, this has been interesting. It's a little ouchy. It is. So. But in a good way. Yeah. Because again, growth. That's right. Yeah. So we will um, unpack this a little bit. Yeah. So the author starts off the chapter mm. by talking about this hockey league, the 2015 Hockey League. And she's looking at the roster of names of these hockey players, mm-hmm. which include Kale, yeah. yes, like the vegetable, vegetable. <laughs> Loch, which I imagine <laughs> I is a short it. form of Lachlan, the okay. Scottish name, uh-huh. just Loch. There were four Dawsons, a Caden and a Caden, mm. spelt completely differently, mm. a Constantino, <laughs> yes. a Keltie, uh-huh. a Brecken. Yeah. And many other names like that. Not a Dave, John, or Bob of the Bunch. Yeah. And she was kind of fascinated by this because, you know, going back through history in the early 1900s through to kind of the late 70s, even through the 60s. Mm-hmm. Even my kids when I gave them names. Right. Yeah. Parents were giving their children names that would help them fit into the world. That's right. Right? Because I grew up having to spell my name every single time. Uh, voila, moi too. Exactly. That's Still. true. Yeah. And I think Jillian's a pretty normal name, and I think Mary's a pretty normal name. Well, not Mary spelt as right. the, the way it's spelled. Exactly. People automatically assume it's the other way. That's right. But in the 1980s, people sort of made a, a big move, mm. and they started giving their children names that would make them stand out. Right. So, you know... Um, I think that started in Hollywood. 
Look at some possibly, of the possibly, yeah, yeah. But also, like when you, well, even David Bowie, Moon Unit, or wh- who is it? Dave, uh, Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. His child was Moon Unit. Yeah, and you know all these weird names. Oh, and then like Elon Musk was going to give his child what? Like just a name that wasn't a name. Yeah, like just a bunch of like symbols. Yeah. Right? I know. And then Prince changed his name. Yeah. Right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So just kind of this weirdness was happening where people wanted their children to stand out. Mm-hmm. And I remember this because, um, you know, my kids were born in the 90s, but there were children in cohort with them where in the middle of the name was a capital. Mm. What? Yes. Um, I remember one particular child, and they had the same name as my daughter, Emma, but it was... E, capital E, mm-hmm. M, capital M, mm-hmm. A. Mm. And it, it was very a particular. cultural reason? Oh, no, no. It was no. very particular. There was a capital in there. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I sort of saw this trending, and it started to become this, cal- this cult of self, mm. which was all about self-importance, uh, special. specialness, yeah. uh, being unique, mm-hmm. um, standing out rather than fitting in. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting because um, back in the 80s, uh, we were living in this small little hamlet of Brooklyn. It was a hamlet at the time. And the woman up the street was uh, going through her for her law degree. Mm-hmm. She had come out of nursing and she was doing a second degree in law. Mm-hmm. And she had two daughters, Elizabeth and Catherine. Mm. And I remember their names because she said, when my daughters become judges, oh. I want them to be taken seriously. <laughs> and those are serious <laughs> names. So I'm like, yes, they are. You know, no, um, you know, Trixie or Candy, candy in the bunch. <laughs> so what is the attraction of the cult of self, where the irresistible figurehead is ourselves? Yeah. That's a great question. And I and I do think there's this whole self-esteem movement that was part of it. Yes. That she talks about in the book. Yeah. And I have to admit, as I was reading it, uh, and I think about how I was um, thinking, how I was parenting, and even the way I was responding, I had to fight against that movement, like everybody gets a trophy. Yes, everyone's special. Just for showing up. Everybody's special. Yes. And you're you're awarding kids just for by virtue of existing. Now I'm not diminishing the fact that we all have uh value and that I think it's important to have a sense of worth in that. But I think this thing about the cult of me is that somehow I'm so special that even though I'm a terrible singer, I'm going to go on The Voice and that's somehow right. I'm going to win it. That's right. Because someone along the line has Said given me a ribbon for singing. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. It kind of elevates us to this place of uniqueness and spirit, uh, superiority. Yeah. That our needs matter more than everyone else's mm. and that we're not subject to the same rules as others are. Mm. So we somehow are more deserving than others. So the people that go on The Voice that think they have this fabulous voice is because they've been protected all the way along and told that they're special and unique and they have such a gift. Right. And when they're faced with criticism mm-hmm. and critiquing for the very first time, right. they fall apart and get defensive. and Or they get mad and get say the mad. judges are yes. terrible. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it turns like it's someone else's problem rather than right. their own. Right. It's this posture of entitlement. Mm. And you can see how it's alluring. Yeah. All of us want to feel special and unique and... Um, somehow that we're different mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah. 
and again, I'm I'm trying to balance that because we are, we are all unique and different. There's no other person like me on the face of the planet. But I, it's not my my impact on this world isn't just by my virtue of my existence. That's right. There are still responsibilities and actions and sacrifices I have to make. And there are still expectations to live up to. Right. And if you want, you know, we talked in the previous episode, we talk about this a lot, mm-hmm. is this um, this teachability factor. Yeah. If you want to be teachable, mm-hmm. then you need voices around you who are telling you the truth. Right. Um, not in a, a mean or... Um, demeaning way, mm-hmm. but in a way that helps you see, mm-hmm. you know, where maybe some of your limitations and giftings are. Exactly. I mean, that's always one thing that I wanted is for my kids to have self-awareness, not just of their strengths, but also of their weaknesses. That's right. Uh, because how else are they going to become you know, better if they're not aware of their weaknesses? And we're always sort of minimizing it or poopying it. Um, and that's, you know, I don't, it's not about being a critical parent. It's just about being able to teach kids self-honesty. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And I think that it kind of got muddled mm. in this feel-good effect. I think so. You know? So she talks about how um, this idea of being special and unique just by existing goes against like the thousands of years of Judeo-Christian values mm. that emphasized humility mm-hmm. and modesty and being in the service of others. Right. Which, of course, are the polar opposites of the cult of self. Right. And she talks about, you know, it's interesting because all of us know Um, someone in this age bracket she calls the age of effort. Mm -hmm. And this was the period that our grandparents or our parents would have lived through, which subscribed to hard work, Mm. grit, Mm -hmm. resilience. Mm -hmm. And this was the group that, you know, they just powered down. Yeah. They did the work. They were... Oh, and they survived through wars and such poverty and difficulties. Absolutely. Immigrating here and all of those things. Yeah, They did the hard work and Mm -hmm. they didn't whine and whinge about it. Yeah, that's true. They just got on with life. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a downside to that too. Right. Because, you know, it's kind of like survival mode Mm -hmm. where you're just pushing through and not actually acknowledging right. what's really going on inside. Yeah, and that you can lack you. self-awareness there too. Right. And I also find sometimes there can be judgment for the generation that's here as in, well, just pull yourself up at the bootstraps and stop whining. That's and, right. In my day. Yeah, in my day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to be yeah. saying that. <laughs> so out of that kind of birthed this movement called the age of esteem. Mm. So psychology was really taking off. Modern yeah. psychology and pseudo-psychology mm-hmm. were really taking off. And, you know, there was this time period where we were trying to build people's self-esteem and have them have some self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So we were pushing people through these self-actualization processes And self-esteem was easily grasped Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we saw the hard work of our parents. We're like, well, we don't want to be that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we don't want to just spend our whole life doing that. Mm -hmm. We want to have happiness and joy and fulfillment Mm -hmm. in our life. Mm -hmm. But it didn't really involve hard work. Right. It was, I'm special because I exist. Mm Mm-hmm. I can feel good mm-hmm. because I deserve this. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a hard day. Mm-hmm. So we just built up our self-esteem without acknowledging the hard work that it takes to become mm. insightful. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Hmm. That is interesting because when you think about people who are naturally really gifted and yet seem to lack self-awareness, I wonder how much the self-esteem movement has impacted that. Yeah. So they aren't aware of... uh, Like they're special just because they're gifted or they have this or that, but they're not necessarily willing to put the hard work to do some deep dive into their character flaws or areas that they have to grow in, right? Well, and we see that That on the world stage in sport. I mean, Mm -hmm. we can all picture some, uh, I'll pick tennis for, um, Mm -hmm. because we talked about being on one side of the net uh, in our previous episode, but I think it made me think of tennis. But I think of tennis players who... um, you know, have hissy fits on the court. Yeah. Um, and other tennis players who seem to be able to hold it together mm-hmm. and move on mm-hmm. and get back to the business of playing tennis. Right. Um, whereas this self-esteem, you know, piece can quickly get out of control mm-hmm. um, if we're feeling that people are picking on us. Right. Well, the thing that you're I'm noticing now is the large number of people who can be famous just by virtue of their social media presence and not because they're actually doing anything exactly. or contributed anything. That's it's right. It's more about how they look, what they're wearing, who they're hanging out with, what they're eating. Right. And so like people idolize um, these social media people and really what are they bringing to this world? Right. Right. That's a really good question. Mm -hmm. So she says we've all experienced something called the feel good effect Mm -hmm. where uh, this is what you're getting at, Mm. where we're more interested in preserving a person's feelings than telling them the truth. Oh, yes. And, oh, you know, I've been guilty of that. Yeah. You know, how often have we complimented someone or said, no, 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 it's, you know, because we don't want to hurt their feelings. That's right. And um, this is kind of back to that team where everyone's given an award, the class where no one fails. Mm -hmm. Um, York points out the research that's shown that in general, there's an inverse relationship between how special we feel and how self-aware we are. Wow. That is true. I've read lots of studies like that. (laughs) The more self-aware you are, the more you tend to uh, underrate yourself. And then the less self-aware you are, the more you tend to Uh overrate your performance. Isn't that wild? Yes. And that's kind of where humility comes in, right? Because humility is being able to go, okay, this is really true about me. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of icky, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, Eric points out uh, that, you know, this feel-good effect can lead to self-delusion about our actual ability. So that same person that shows up on the, the voice mm-hmm. who really thinks they're a great singer and they're not. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this delusional, mm-hmm. you know, because everyone's listening and going, what? Mm-hmm. How do you think that's going to cut it? Right. Um, is it delusional or is it optimistic? Yes, that is a really good question because, you know, we talk about the importance of optimism. Yes. And you do have to feel like you have a shot at something. Otherwise, why would you even put in the hard work. That's right. But I think that's the difference is that optim- optimism doesn't mean that you don't put in the hard work. It just means that you still have hope as you persist in doing the work to get yourself up to a level of mastery. Yeah. And, you know, it triggers a memory for me and a couple of people that I know where when they were going through high school in those formative years, mm-hmm. because they had an ability in an yeah. area like math. Yeah you know, guidance counselors and people around them were telling them to pursue uh, a career in that. Mm-hmm. And they're stuck. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're uh, grown adults working in an area of 
accounting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's not their passion or desire. Mm-hmm. And that's not delusional mm-hmm. because they actually have the skills. Right. But they probably went in with some rose-colored glasses on, mm-hmm. thinking that because they were good at it, right. it would become a passion. Right. And it didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. So the self-awareness piece has That's to be, yeah, so I'm huge. good at this, yeah. and I have some natural ability for it, but it doesn't fill my tank. Mm-hmm. Right. So optimism doesn't mean that you um, like divorce yourself from reality. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Optimism really comes through. Um when, you know, she says the good rule of thumb for the rose-colored glasses is we put the glasses on when we need to bounce back from constant challenges mm. or in situations where we can succeed through sheer persistence. Right. So, you know, that's the mastery piece, right? Mm-hmm. Where you think of a, an athlete mm-hmm. um, who's trying to make the shot. Right. They have to practice over and over and over and over again, and they have to put the rose-colored glasses on. I'm going to get better at this because I'm putting in the work. Mm-hmm. And I know I have the skills and abilities. Right. It's a matter of doing the diligence. Yeah. Now, at what point, say we go back to the singer, yep. who might become adequate as a singer through sheer persistence, but at what point does that person give up the dream of becoming the next big star? Yeah, good question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's when the harsh reality I think so. of the ceiling yeah. comes into effect. Like, what is your ceiling? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to hit that ceiling? And where is it going to put you on the range of mm-hmm. being, you know, extremely gifted and excellent right. versus capable mm-hmm. and... You know, a lounge singer on a cruise ship. Right. Well, I was, uh, I, I've read the book before. I've mentioned it before, but I love the book, Let Your Life Speak mm-hmm. by Parker J. Palmer. Mm-hmm. And he talks about seeing all the closed doors behind you. And you, oh. you do have to read that at some point. And then the other thing that I was really thinking through now with some hindsight and maturity is how much of my dreams in the past came out of my ego needs Ooh. versus what I actually feel led to, called to, wired to do. Yes. And we all have different gifts and talents, but, you know, how we choose to use it, if we can see that perhaps our ego is driving more of it than we should. So as an example, one of my things, <laughs> I'm going to be honest about this. One of the things I had imagined when I was younger was I was going to be like, standing on a stage talking to thousands and thousands of people and they're all just like reaching out their hands going like oh my gosh Dr. Mary tell us more (laughs) and it's not that I'm not good at talking it's not that I'm not a good communicator but like if those doors have closed again and again maybe I need to read the room and you know, one of the things upon self-reflection is that was really driven <clears throat> by my ego need to be loved by everyone. Yes. And that if I kept chasing that could have prevented me from doing the work that I am doing now through talking to you on a podcast, through one-on-one coaching, through uh, conversations I'm having with the clerk at the grocery store where yep. I'm able to encourage them. Like, like that is where we have to realize that self-esteem is not about ignoring the reality of closed doors and be, and also recognizing how much we pushed was because of our ego. That is such a good point, and I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I think that's a really interesting exercise for people 
to go through mm-hmm. is to go look back and go, what were the doors that were closed? What were the repeated um, comments that may have been made in performance reviews or something like that, where in different environments, I was kind of told the same thing right? or the same themes came up yeah. from different sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And am, I, and am I able to accept that and see mm-hmm. that? Or am I still holding on to some ego-driven need? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, one of the things that I've told you is that, like, I think your influence is huge. You know that. And we can fool ourselves to think that being on a platform with a thousand people holds more influence than the ripple effect of one changed life. Mm. Yeah. Right? Right. So I think there's some ego stuff that goes on there that's misguided. Yeah. No, okay. I, I agree. <clears throat> yeah. So back to the, back to the, I love when we digress. I know. Uh, but <laughs> back to this, you know, she talks about um, narcissism, and I know you're going to address that. And she says this, a feel-good effect is, can be extremely dangerous mm. in building up these kind of narcissistic views of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can see it. We see it across the globe in politics, in leadership. Mm-hmm. We see leaders falling every single day mm-hmm. because of these ego needs that mm-hmm. are being fueled and because of this narcissistic um, outlook of this feel good, right? Yeah. Um, and I know that you're going to address that in part two. So... How do we take a look at ourselves and check our cult of self? Mm-hmm. And I know you're going to walk us through some stuff mm-hmm. because this goes back to blind spots. Mm-hmm. And we had an episode just a couple of episodes ago on blind spots because we can spot narcissism in others. Mm-hmm. Can we spot it in ourselves? <sighs> yes. E. e is right. Oh my or gosh. When we do the quiz, do we kind of go, well, maybe yeah. <laughs> I might do that. Yeah. So she does encourage us to look inwardly. Mm. She does ask us to look at what we post on our socials. Mm-hmm. And she talks, she calls this the self presentation mm-hmm. effect. Right. Yep. Mm hmm. Ooh. Presenting ourselves in a way that we want others to see us or our idealized self to see us, our ego-driven self to see us, rather than who we really are. Mm. And so she, she says, you know, am I posting a, a picture of myself in Paris on a trip with my husband mm-hmm. that, you know, with the Eiffel Tower in the background when we fought the whole trip? Right, right. You know, I'm, what am I presenting to the world about my life? And wanting people to buy hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. And then how does that feed into the cult of self for others? Right. Because I'm looking at her socials and going, well, my life doesn't measure up to mm-hmm. traveling the world and seeing these great places and eating this great food mm-hmm. and wearing this great thing. Mm-hmm. My life looks like this. Right. Yeah. And then do I feel the need to up my game so I'm presenting the self presentation view of myself to mm-hmm. others. And is that the uh, self-presentation that I even believe myself, exactly. right? That's that's the challenge and the amount of effort that I invest in that. Um, if you're, oh, and by the way, um, with all the self-esteem movement, uh, which I was part of that, uh, she has shown research study after study that completely debunks how it actually is 
ineffective. Yeah. This whole self-esteem movement is just not effective in creating or helping our kids to be the best version of themselves. No. Uh, it's the opposite of self-insight, actually. So if you're a parent listening in, it's not that you should stop affirming your kids. It's really important that you keep doing that uh, because, you know, the d- damage of constant criticism and negativity is not helpful. Um, but it is that you're giving accurate feedback, both good and bad. And that you're being very specific about the kinds of things that you see as strengths in your kids. Yes. And you're also giving them opportunities to, you're teaching them about persistence if they have a particular dream. And that lie that you can do anything you put your mind to, you just got to stop it. That's right. Because it's not true. You know, it's interesting because I hang out with my little grandson and Mm -hmm. I see parents sometimes in the park. And the kid is going down the slide Mm -hmm. and they're like applauding. Oh, yay, you did it. You Mm -hmm. went down the slide. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's kind of like what kids do. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Whereas what would be better is if the kid's trying the monkey bars and falls down Mm -hmm. and they go, wow, like you really tried hard there. That's right. You know, look at you. You're really getting stronger. Yeah. You're trying hard. Mm -hmm. Good for hanging in there. Mm -hmm. That's different. Right. Yeah. You're... You're not applauding something that should naturally occur, like mm-hmm. graduating kindergarten. Mm-hmm. You're <laughs> like, the fact that they have graduations for kindergartens is a bit of an issue. Um, however, I digress. But you're applauding the persistence. You're applauding the trying. Mm-hmm. You're helping them overcome obstacles. Right. You're showing them that they're you know they are progressing. They're mm-hmm. getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're applauding their trying, their mm-hmm. effort. Yeah. Rather than the fact that they can just do something. Well, exactly. So uh, I'll give you an example from <laughs> my daughter's life. Uh, who's um, from the time she was a little girl, she loved putting on different shows. She was a masterful director. <laughs> um, now, did I tell her she was going to be a Hollywood director who's going to be the most famous person in the world? Her godmother might have said that. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. But I was affirming her ability to lead others well, her visionary, creative mind, and her ability to get people all together and do some great things. And so today, yes, she's actually in theater, but... Even if she chooses to move from it, her skills of leadership, her ability to inspire others, yeah. her ability to influence others is still there. And she can persist in tons of different fields because those are the traits that we were kind of pulling or calling out in her as opposed to saying you're going to be the next. Right. You know. Right. And that's a really good point, parents. So mm. like take heed because many of us have fallen into that. You're special just because of who you are. Mm-hmm. And there's a uniqueness in every child. There's yep. gifting in every child. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, I'm lapping up a four-year-old in my house who yep. I think is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's going to you know, have correction. He's going to have critique in his life. He's going to have teachable moments. And it's okay that that begins at home mm. by being fostered in that he's not going to be great at everything. Right. You know, as I'm thinking about it, maybe the differentiation is to be loved for who you are, mm-hmm. just by virtue that you are valued and precious and beloved, separated from what you end up being able to accomplish or do, which does come out of effort and persistence and all those kinds of things, not just because of who you are. Exactly. The who you are is lovable. Yeah. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. And I do believe that we do have a true self uh, imprinted in how God has wired us Mm -hmm. to be and that a lot of life is discovering those aspects of it. But like the actual outcome of our lives, the actual output, uh, that has a lot to do with uh, our character, our perseverance, our self-awareness, our insight, all the things that we talk about. And, you know, as you're saying that, just to wrap up, Mm. I'm thinking to myself, if like if we are doing the work in yeah. this book insight on ourselves yeah from the character standpoint mm. um the humility the integrity we're going to talk about humility in the next segment if we're working on that as mm. much as or more than we're working on the self presentation to the world yeah we're doing really well because then when we step away from that thing mm-hmm. and retire mm-hmm. we're, our character has been bu- being built right. all the way through right we're going to have value based on our character, not on the thing that we did. Yeah, And that's where so many people, you know, have a crisis mm. is when they walk away from the thing that they do, mm-hmm. that they're applauded for, they don't know who they are. And they stick with that thing far too long. Yes. And it affects the organization. It affects their own um, output. And if you can't face that reality, I mean, we're at that stage as we're getting older, yep. that maybe we aren't the same in the areas that we thought we were. And if the character is there, it'll carry us to whatever the next thing is. That's right. So important. So tune into our next one because Mary's going to walk us through how we can resist mm. this cult of self. We're going to walk through some exercises. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Okay. Yikes, Rooney. Yikes, Rooney. Um, but we'll see you on the other side of this episode. Okay. All Have right. a great week. Take Tune care. In. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.